Hi, my name's Kim Cole, and I'm your host of Real 510. Our podcast is dedicated to the stories of real buyers and real sellers in the East Bay residential housing environment in Northern California. Finding a solid investment to grow one half to several million dollars is a strategic and calculative exercise of wisdom and intuition. Now mix in the emotional meaning of home, your safety, your shelter, your memories. The task is daunting. The influences are great and there's no proven instruction manual. Join us as we explore the process, the challenges, and the triumphs of those who have successfully navigated the storm. Welcome to Real 510. Hi, I'm Kim Cole, and I am really happy to be here today with Erica and Michael Sini. Hey. (laughs) Good to be here. I feel like we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and You guys are very precious to me in so many different ways. And so I have to like have a little intro in just to kind of give our audience a little idea of where we came from, because it's a little bit different than our average clients. And it it actually kind of goes to show you that people come to each other in a variety of different ways in finding in their pursuit for a home and our relationship probably started about 20 years ago when uh, you guys came to the house at one of my son's high school parties i think yeah definitely i mean i think uh, even me personally not erica but i probably came over even earlier than that in like elementary middle school but both of us probably like in high school yeah yeah yeah, absolutely but i remember the first time of seeing you two together and then blink blink here you are and all of a sudden i get a i'm not sure if it was a call or a text from michael saying okay This is saying, yeah, I think you're right. It was a text. And you may have even, I may have been on a ski slope or you may have been on a ski slope saying, (laughs) hey, I, uh, we're looking at a house and I think I want to talk to you. And now here we are. And so tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourselves. Yeah. You want to start? Well, I am a program manager for a tech company in San Francisco and I've been at that company for about five years and Michael and I worked together before that also but we are high school sweethearts so we've known each other for a really long time. Yeah I'm in tech sales uh, as well in San Francisco been there for about been at my company for about nine years and uh, obviously met Kim through her son who was actually my best man in my wedding (laughs) and you know, we go back quite a bit. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's been quite a ride and, and we were very fortunate that we were able to get a home, you know, at, at our age. So Yeah. Well, that is, um, <laughs> so uh, adding to the story a little bit about the Cenies, the Cenies are the people that, at least from my perception, looking at looking from way above <laughs> down and then seeing what all the all the wonderful millennials in this world are doing. I see the scenes at kind of the epicenter of what you should be doing. You guys were always the first to, right? You were the first to go on international travels. You were the first to move to San Francisco. We're the first to move out of San Francisco, You're actually, the first too. To move we out moved of to San Chicago Francisco. for a good few years, so... All your life, at least, Michael, I can attest to you were the first one to have every technology device that came out. 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was an iPhone fanatic for sure. Yeah. So I think you're kind of, you're leaders socially, and so I think coming from coming from where you were in the city, it was probably a pretty interesting ride to all of a sudden say, okay, it's time for us to start looking for a home. Yeah, I mean, I think we left San Francisco for our jobs to go to Chicago, and when we came back three years later, we knew we. We were moved back to the marina in San Francisco and we just knew after a few months, we're like, we should probably allocate our money more towards a home. So, yeah. Well, okay. Let's rewind a little bit because I pretty much, when Michael and I got married in 2014, was very confident that I wanted to stay in California and be a homeowner in California. And our, our plans got derailed a little bit because of a great opportunity for Michael in Chicago. So we, we took our plans back there, but I think I was always very much wanting to be a homeowner, but something that I love about Michael is he kind of forces me to enjoy every like phase of my life. So he was like, let's just wait, let's really find the right opportunity. And that's, I think, why we found the house of our dreams, because we waited until we were really ready and at the place to not only financially afford it, but I think emotionally be there where we could be homeowners because I think something that people don't really share is how like emotional it can be to make that first house purchase. But that's definitely what brought us back to California and wanting to be homeowners. And we were just feel really lucky that we got to work with you and meet you through this process even more. Aren't you so kind? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you bring up a really good point like that. So readiness, right? When do you know you're ready to buy a home? I mean, that's statistically, people generally are not buying homes at the young age that, that you're buying your first home or that you bought your first home. And statistically people your age have decided that renting might be the best alternative altogether but yet Erica you always knew you wanted to buy a home like that value was just instilled in you right yeah I mean I think as cheesy as it sounds it is kind of the American dream to be a homeowner but I also think that my my parents in particular were very thoughtful with us growing up and a lot of it was just about you know when you're when you feel like it's a good time so there there was a lot of it that had to do with yeah financial readiness was a big thing but I think we knew the end goal uh, you know in the next decade after we really got engaged and everything that we were gonna try to aim for a home and I think a large part that helped us was saving early saving with regards to taking advantage of things that some people in our age group didn't take advantage of 401k matching taking employee stock purchase programs if your company offers it things like that where the money just doesn't even hit your bank account and just goes away before you even get an opportunity to touch it and waste it and spend it and you know know, that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of i think financial struggle in our lives i think like michael can speak a lot to when he was an undergrad and just kind of like when you can save, trying to save as much as you can, because even when it feels like, gosh, I'm making pennies right now on the dollar, like just finding small ways to save. Even before we went into tech and there was such a thing as employee stock purchase plan and 401ks, like I remember I used to take, 
I think at the time it was like 150 out of each paycheck because that's what I could afford to save and put it into a savings account. And I also had the luxury of being able to live at home. And I say luxury because a lot of people don't have that or don't want to, you know, or don't want to be yeah, at don't home want with to. their folks. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but I think that that was just something that both of us were really aligned on was making sure that we had savings no matter what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, we had to start paying off student loans actually right after so that we were trying to make aggressive pushes to pay those down. So, you know, pay those down and then start saving. So it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. But, uh, you know, I think that's 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 probably one of the most important steps to getting a property. And, you know, I, I, we feel very fortunate we were able to do it about nine years into our career. Yeah, so. really. And really kind of... Tackling that is a long-term habit, not an instant IPO status, right? Which is where a lot of people are at, and that's a great, you know, that's an awesome opportunity when people get instant money like that. But it sounds like you created just really good habits. There's this, there's this wonderful book, and I, um, I often talk about it to my sales team and the topics of social conversations to, as well called the power of habit and little habits like putting away $150 a week or a month. It, you know, it becomes a bigger habit and a lifelong habit that obviously has served you very well to building that important down payment to making this all real. And it's interesting that, you know, we talk to a lot of people and ask very similar questions of what triggered you, you know, now being able to purchase. And it's rare that people say down payment, money, finances, like we really saved and we decided this is the time because we've saved this money. Everything else is kind of focused on first oftentimes, but when everything starts getting real in the buying process is when you start talking about money and realizing that transfer going from your savings account to a different type of investment. And we talked about that, Michael, a little bit briefly and I'll yeah. kind of sideways segue to that because I think it's such a great point that you made in a big part of the conversations that the two of you had together of why this is okay. Yeah. No, and I, I think Eric can say it was a very emotional time purchasing <laughs> a property. And I think one of the things that really put a little bit at ease during this process was the realization when we chatted that we aren't spending on a purchase like most things, like a trip or something like that, which does give a great r return in memories. But you know, you're spent, you're reallocating money. Let's say, for example, in stock to another investment, and you do have to be somewhat confident in the area you're buying. Side story that you may not know: we we considered buying a condo in Chicago at one point, and oh, we yeah. actually put an offer we uh, when we were out there. And thank yeah. God it, it didn't go through. The Chicago market, great, but it wasn't as uh, you know, it's probably not as similar as the Bay Area. It's a little bit more flat. You may make money, you may not. You probably would over years. And so, you know, we kind of worked out for the best that that didn't happen. But yeah. But I think something that Michael really helped me with early on when I was thinking about spending the money and investing the money and us talking about investing the money was just the mental shift that you have to have with not feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm losing this money because I'm 
spending it on a property. It's it's an investment. So you're really just moving how your money is invested in terms of if it was invested in savings and stock, you're just moving it into a property. And I think just thinking about it that way really helped me to not feel as emotional and nervous about it because you've saved for a long time for this. And that was something that I think just that mind shift helped me a lot. Yeah. So that being said, let's talk a little bit about the process. Let's get off this money thing because money's not that fun. <laughs> Doesn't make the world go around. <laughs> now, money is really fun, but investments and the emotions of it and what you, you know, kind of the roller coaster you go through as you're looking for a home is is really, really interesting and fun as well, I think. And um, you two have always kind of struck me as people who know what you want and people who kind of create their own path. I mean, I have never seen you be very dependent on other people in terms of marching through life with your leadership. I mean, always open to advice and talking to people, but... I see you definitely as leaders. So it's kind of interesting the whole, what you might have envisioned in the whole process of purchasing your home, right? Of course, you were going to take control. I could just see that, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're going to take control. I mean, we'd, we'd heard stories for sure, though, of like, it's a long process and, and you're going to get, you know, outbid and you're, it's going to take the, it's going to take a while, you know? And so. We're fortunate that I don't know if you have anything. Oh, to I was to just that. gonna say, and like people telling us, don't get so emotionally attached oh, to a house. Yeah. Which honestly, people say that, and then the first thing you do is get emotionally attached to a house. And I know why people say it, but it's you know you start to imagine yourself there, and also too like when you're looking at houses, you're looking at so many different properties, and if you know what you want, like we did, you just you know once you step into a property that this is the one that you want and you've seen so many frogs that you're just like ready already to make that emotional investment and that actual financial investment. Yeah, and when you find the one you want, it's like, you know, you fall in love with it. Like yeah. like just like anything else. Yeah. And and you don't want your heart to be broken when you submit an <laughs> offer, you know? And that that is a real thing. Yeah, know? it you is. You have to though. That's part of that's part of the process. You have to do that. You have to fall in love yeah and so, honestly if I was to revise that advice I would say fall in love with caution <laughs> because I think it is actually really important to be emotionally invested in your property the right amount knowing that this could be your first relationship or this could be the relationship that lasts forever so I think falling in love with a little bit of understanding that this may be not the final thing is is a good way to approach it. Love with caution. I wish the audience could see Erica's eyes sparkle as she's talking about this, of walking through the door and the bells kind of ringing in your head, right? But I, I love that you're saying that because I think oftentimes we go into the process with this kind of textbook idea like follow these rules make smart decisions this is a huge investment it's um yeah you want to be logical you want to be smart don't let emotions take you over but i always like dating to finding a home i think there's a lot of similarities right 
And you kind of take that same approach in the beginning. You guys might be a, a little exception to that being that you met in school when you were so young and it's just fostered yeah. and you never, you know, you always keep coming back to your to each other. But but typically I think people go out and they they follow the rules for dating. They pick up books that tell them the rules. Like, no, you can't do this. You have to wait three days before you call this woman after you've gone out with her, <laughs> even though you really like her, because that's the rule. Yeah, you know, all these different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, they need to fit within this parameter. They need to be exactly, you know, five foot nine or over. They can't be more than a <laughs> 185 pounds. Yeah, they you need have to certain be, requirements. Yeah, yeah, there's just certain requirements, right? And I think that people come into purchasing a home in the same manner. And I love what you're saying because I think it's almost saying don't don't box yourself in. Like, listen to your heart too. Yeah, don't box yourself in, listen to your heart, but also allow yourself to experience the full gamut of what there is to experience because you really do never know. I mean, Michael and I are fortunate. The house that we have now has a view and that is something that we never in a million years were like, oh, we must have a house with a view. We just knew when we saw it that that was something that was like really then it became important it to became us. It became important. But we wouldn't have known otherwise. And, and things that we didn't like, Michael always thought he wanted a house with all carpet and I definitely knew I wanted hardwood. So, you know, you kind of flex on things as you see property. So you have to let yourself go there and have the experiences and just go to the open houses with an open mind, even if you've seen the listing and you're not that sure. Because I even think the listing that we saw for our first offer, I wasn't even that excited about. And then when we went to actually see it in person, it was a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, the first offer was the one that led us onto the street that we ended up getting a home on. So it was we, we, if we didn't see the first one, we may have not gotten to the second one. Isn't know? that funny? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of oh. like you dated the friend and then you ended up <laughs> marrying the friend's friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, this whole dating yeah. and house buying, it really works well yeah. together. Oh, my gosh. So along with, obviously, getting out there and just driving around neighborhoods, right? I mean, you actually just physically drove neighborhoods but what other tools and and you guys are big tech people michael you didn't mention the company that you work for i don't think you did either erica so you guys work yeah. for some big tech players right yeah 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 so she's at salesforce i'm at yelp i mean you but. guys are tech 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 so did you get did you bring technology into this we used Zillow to look for homes and so we definitely were swiping through Zillow for for homes and I think a lot of people use those sites to like you know nowadays you can it's kind of like dating again swipe right swipe left, right <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah we you know we were definitely looking through homes for sure and we were looking relatively in, in a wide area in the Bay Area well and I think what helped us narrow it down was Zillow. Oh, well, a lot of things helped us narrow it down, but from a technical perspective, just being able to like actually filter by certain zip that you saw a home in or certain price range, those are all just helpful tools for searching. And so I feel like we used that a lot 
to, yeah, photo flip, swipe right, swipe left. And he would email me things or favorite things. And we would, we had a shared profile. So anytime he favorited something, I would be able to tell. And so then I would just look at it and same, vice versa. Yeah. And then like, I think it was like January of last year, we started like saying, hey, let's spend a Saturday, you know, since we're in the East Bay area, we can drive around there and check out some of these open homes that we saved. And so it was just kind of input the address, map, go around. But that, that's essentially what we used the most was just to, to search for for homes as well so. was Zillow mostly Zillow mostly yeah I, I mean yeah. Redfin a little bit yeah. yeah I mean they all had the same have, yeah. same yeah. homes relatively right and yeah. and I know the home that we finally found was actually when you sent it before it went on the market and then it went on Zillow after but like you were the one who, who sent it to us right before yeah, uh, for the second home. So yes, to find the home, we'll, added, we'll give you credit added. for that's that the, one. That, no, that's yeah. totally the value is like you're in a in an ideal world, an ideal realtor like Kim will know what you're looking for. You'll come to her with a prescribed palette of, hey, these are the things that I like, and she'll be able to then say, okay, well, I think you guys might like these things because there were actually pretty much all the properties that you sent us hit the mark in one way or another. And we would talk about them more seriously than something we just kind of sent each other on Zillow because I felt like you then at that point knew kind of our taste palette. So you were able to be more specialized in what you sent us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great. And I think that's where the value of knowing the neighborhood, knowing the streets and just maybe experience with matchmaking you know, house matchmaking is really valuable. But it's a good, I mean, that's a good point in that I think people can really miss their mark sometimes because they want to stick solely to the app. And I mean, our agents use apps that support other brokerages like a Redfin because they have an amazing amazing app I mean it's just one of the best visually I think to use Trulia you know they they're all you know really fantastic and I think you have to start somewhere for sure but I think once you narrow in that neighborhood and your needs and wants it's great to to I mean still do your own search because who knows more more people on the ground looking is a positive thing but I think depending I shouldn't say depending, but utilizing the skills of the real estate professional you're with that works really nicely too. Now, so so that was great in terms of home finding. What about other types of services, other types of professionals? I know that you like mortgage broker. Yeah, you yeah. were very involved with your mortgage broker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a story in itself, right? You learned yeah, a, you no, learned a lot it, of things. Yeah, I learned a lot. I mean, the mortgage broker business, I, I didn't quite understand it as well, but it definitely I, I had heard advice through the grapevine, like shop around you know, it's a very competitive industry. Like I, I give them a lot of credit, but reality is like, they're all going to be fairly close to each other. And, and being close when it comes to interest rates is actually pretty big when it comes to money. So Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, we did go through a a period where we had one mortgage broker and, you know, we realized that we could have gotten a better rate, even at the same company as another mortgage broker. That was the interesting interesting. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same company, different mortgage broker, different office, but same company Mm -hmm. ended up scoring a lot, the, the deal we wanted. And so, 
you know, I'm, I don't want to give the advice, like don't trust anyone at the company, but <laughs> I think it is important to get a few different quotes and, 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 you know, look at the bottom line and basically ask, Hey, is this the best we can do on this? Well, and it's a relationship business like any other business. And luckily enough, I've had people in my family who have purchased homes and we had an existing relationship that I, to be honest, didn't even tap into initially. And once I tapped into that, it was like, oh no, this person will get you the better rate. We'll make sure of that because of the existing relationship. And so if, I mean, if you don't have any existing relationships, you obviously would want to go and do your due diligence and kind of get competing quotes but because we had that we were the initial mortgage broker that we didn't end up going with you know was, had to break up yeah, with the first we, one yeah we had to break up <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that was um that was quite a learning experience and um I think your decision obviously paid off to do that and it kind of goes back to the get three bids on yeah project, we got right? the better rate and I remember speaking with you one night about it and you told me, hey, if you're not comfortable with this guy, and, and this was, you know, this or, you know, this was someone that this is something that was, you know, we talked about different companies, and, and you said if you're not comfortable, it's okay to walk away from them, you know. And so uh, I wasn't, you know, and this is a big purchase. So I'm glad I did, and got a better rate. Yep, absolutely. So did you? Um, I mean, the whole. Again, we're kind of back to that financial piece, but it is a really important piece. And by then you had already made a decision on the home. You're, I mean, that was done, right? So then it was about shopping for the loan and pulling that together in the smartest way that you could. Did you look at all different types of programs? Did you, like, how did you compare one thing to the other? Yeah, that was a tough one. I'll field this one. Uh, but I think the... Uh, <laughs> I think what we were looking at is the difference between like a 30 year and a five one or seven one and what the differences are there. I think for us, we feel really confident that we'll be in our home for a while, but I felt like on average with people I've known, uh, with the exception of a few, some people like stay in their home for like six, seven years. And so I felt like a seven one was a good move for us. Yeah. It's not to say we might stay longer and it is risky because maybe the rate could go up to a, to a certain extent over time because rates will probably go up in, in my opinion, but we felt like that was a better offer option than a 30 year fix. And so that, that was a hard comparison because like, do we want to have this fixed rate that we know we'll pay for 30 years or do we want to have this lower rate that we'll know we'll have for seven years with the option that it may go up? But to that point, you have to think about where you're at in life. And that was something that we talked about. How old are we going to be in seven years? What in life do we think is going to have happened at that point? Michael and I don't have kids currently, but hopefully at that point we will. And so what is that going to mean? Are our kids going to be going to school? Do we want our kids to be going to school in the same district that we bought our home in? And that's that's actually kind of what made us feel a little bit more confident with the seven year. Not that we won't be living there, but just our lives are going to be very different at that point. So it may be a good time to reassess. I think not enough people consider different types of loan programs and I applaud the idea that you really did look at it and look at it logically. And I mean, obviously you evaluated. I'm sure that the difference was enough that it made sense to go with an adjustable rate versus a fixed rate. So many people are programmed to 
30-year fix. Yeah. You never know. You don't want to be caught with your pants down. What happens if some, you know, if you end up staying there 20 years? What will you do? Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, up until the point that I was in my early 50s. Oh, I am in my early 50s, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever get a fixed rate loan? I always got short-term five- or seven-year loans because I always knew I was either going to move or refinance within that period of time, and it always served me well. So it's interesting to see. I applaud you. I a really lot of our do. friends did yeah. 30, 30 years, and, and, yeah. and, and some of them have already yeah. moved already. Yeah. So, Isn't that, I know. So we're like, That's uh, the thing. <laughs> and you guys certainly bought a big, beautiful home. I mean, beautiful, beautiful home. And you could certainly live there all your life if you wanted to. So it's not like you were buying a one bedroom condo and we knew that that's, you know, with your life plans, you know, you're not going to be staying in that environment for that many years. But I think just knowing yourselves and knowing that your financial position is going to change after seven year period and your your family situation will likely change and it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I mean, for us, we feel confident we'll stay in our home for a while, but I would probably almost go to the extent of saying for first-time buyers, like really entertain the 7-1 or the adjustable rate ones for sure because right. a lot changes by what year is it, 2019, 2026? 20, uh, a lot will be different in 2026. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I went to uh, Kevin Kennedy at RPM Mortgage and I asked him a little bit about different type of loan programs and how he how he understands them and explains them and helps his clients. Morning Kim, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. So what do you think? What what about should I get an adjustable rate mortgage or should I get a fixed rate mortgage? I really, it's, it's such a great question. I think that with every family, it really, it's a personal preference and you really need to have a loan professional that is going to sit down and and look at your finances and your time horizon from a holistic point of view. So we find that, you know, many of our first time home buyers and people that plan on staying in the property for an extended period of time that may not have the ability or want to pay down the mortgage or they think they're going to be there for a long time, they're opting for a 30 year fixed. And then we've got another group that has, you know, a real plan of how long they plan on being in the property. Maybe it's only, you know, five, seven, 10 years where an adjustable rate mortgage could be a a great option for them from a financial point of view with typically with lower interest rates, a lower uh, mortgage payment. If you have an opportunity to have that monthly savings to where that payment on the mortgage is, you know, four or five, six hundred dollars less, you can be really intentional about what you're doing with that that money. You could put it into your savings, you could give it to your financial planner and diversify. And you could also take that money and uh, if the the way the arms work is is typically locked in for a, a certain period of time, typically five years, seven years, ten years. And, um, you know, those loans that we have now are, they're good loans and the arms did get a bad rap from, you know, the, the last time with the the great recession and everything. And the, those types of securities that there were some arms that, you know, from subprime loans that were 
terrible loans. And I think that the, our, our culture and the media has given all of the arms a bad rap. But yeah. if you manage that debt in a very intentional and thoughtful way, yeah. it can be a great vehicle for your overall financial picture. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. Most people, the average Californian in the Bay Area, is selling or refinancing their home in the five to seven year period. Yeah. So you can see where it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe something that should be considered. Yeah, I think it's something that you should definitely look into when you're getting pre-approved. There's, you don't need to make that decision immediately, but setting up the financing before you're even really starting your home search and understanding the different options that you have with your loan, and then sitting down as a family and, and reviewing your budget and mm-hmm. starting to make those decisions, I, I think is a really, really smart play. You know, the, the other thing that we have found with, I'm thinking of one of my dear friends that had an arm that he bought his first house in San Jose. And, you know, I showed him all the options. He said, no, I really want this arm. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. And, and he actually, after the five year fixed period, which was at a low rate, that loan actually adjusted down because of where the market rates were at. And he's still in that loan. That loan's wow. like a, you know, it's at a, it's even at a lower interest rate. And so he's done very well with that type of security where you have to be careful is, you know, watching what that mortgage is doing and what the mortgage market is doing and what rates are doing as you are in your home for an extended period of time to make sure that, Hey, if you decide that you are going to stay in the property, you're not going to pay down that debt in a, in an accelerated way that looking at potentially doing a refinance into a fixed rate is, is a, is also a smart option. So, Mm, so, I mean, what I'm hearing too is Fixed rate, 30-year fix, that's kind of a no-brainer. You lock it in. You don't have to worry about it. Adjust mm-hmm. rate mortgage, you need to be paying attention. You need to be paying attention for sure. And I think that, you know, once again, having the, the right team around you, uh, the right, you know, real estate professional to help you find the right house for your lifestyle and, and location, and then also surrounding yourself with, you know, a great CPA, a great financial planner, a great loan agent that even after you purchase the house that you're keeping in touch with those people just to make sure that you're in a good spot. So makes sense. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. All right. So Erica, what, um, when you look back now on kind of what we talked about in terms of tools, in terms of people that kind of helped you through the process and such, what about social things? What about TV shows, movies, books, family, friends? I mean, I... some favorite shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he gets on me all the time. I love Million Dollar Listing in New York. <laughs> That's like my favorite. Okay, so tell me about that. What did you... How was your experience different than Million Dollar Listing? <laughs> well, I mean, I, we are not looking at houses like that. No. I mean, I, I think like in order to kind of visualize what you want, you have to see a lot of things and you have to listen. I'm kind of a more impulsive person Michael is a little bit more thoughtful than I am but I I had a lot of like family and close friends that had purchased homes and that was a really guiding experience for me um and who had purchased homes recently it's one thing to talk to someone who purchased a home 30 years ago versus someone who did it two or three years ago and knowing what that experience was like but definitely I'm a classic millennial in the sense that I'm very 
drawn to Instagram and million dollar listing and just like fun things like that. Michael is not a typical millennial in the sense that he's, well, I shouldn't say typical millennial, but he's very like, oh, read the Wall Street Journal and listen to Chuck Todd and all this kind of stuff. So he's kind of like an old man in some ways. Um, Fine. 60 minutes is cool. <laughs> so he, he, use, he, come, he approaches it from a way different perspective than me. Yeah. Yeah. So how um, did that, did you feel like this, those um, like Instagram and million dollar listing, did it kind of help set you up for what you were going to experience? Yes and no. I mean, I, I knew I was not going to have that kind of experience, but I also think when you watch things that are, I, I always say that's kind of like in a fantasy world, mm-hmm. you know, what you, you do pick up on like the little things that could be realistic and could happen when you're looking for a home. I mean, I felt like the putting in the offer stage. Was that part similar. is actually really similar, especially like the whole Back and negotiation yeah. and the stress and, you know, can you go higher? And I don't know if you should go at this price and, I think having the confidence that your realtor is not just looking for like the highest sale for them is something that is super helpful and impactful mm. um, because that was something I never felt like you were trying to push us to do something that we shouldn't do. And I always felt like you were giving us the best logical advice that you could, even when it seems like highly emotional. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even on that part, you said you could always walk away as well. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Always good to hear because yeah. you don't want to feel like, oh, back's against the wall. Already put in a first offer. Have to finish the, the sale and, on this yeah, one. Yeah. And know, I feel like I'm constantly, I constantly was asking the question, like, are we going to get it? Yeah. Do you think yes or do you think no? Because I like to like prepare for the worst case scenario. And Michael's like, well, I just, I really don't know. And she really doesn't know. But we think based on the information we have, like, this is the best foot forward. I'm like, I need to know. So I'm actually feeling a little like stressed. You're just talking about that again. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I got to get it for him. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it is. Um, I, that's, yeah, that's, that is, um, I think that's one of the hardest parts, like the, the unknown and knowing that your emotions are taking you one direction and doesn't make sense. And it does help to be, working with and have the advice and support of people that you trust and you know that they're they're really looking out for you because it it is kind of easy to spin out of control on that right oh it totally is i mean you i have to trust that you are telling me the right that what, what actually happened in the conversation between you and the selling agent and and then, you know, there's, there's these degrees of separation and you kind of just have to go with that information. You're not at a table with everyone involved. And right. So, and there's so much you can interpret from email yeah. tone, like just email tone, someone who sent back something. I think one of the wording that, you know, the seller's agent was, was Kim, I trust we can make a deal happen. And I totally fell victim to the emotion behind those words. I was like, well, what does that mean? You know, do you think that she's yeah, being we, we aggressive? And, low and she yeah. really wanted to bring us up and, and she, I, you forwarded the email and we were like, oh, okay. So oh, she really God. wants to, you know, make the deal happen. And so, yeah, it was yeah. a pretty emotional. Thing. I, yeah. I always fall victim to like an email's tone. And so I try to like pick it apart and he has to kind of like reel me back and he's like, maybe she just meant 
let's just do well this she's now. trying to get she's <laughs> yeah. trying to sell the house you know i mean it's on a different side the of listing the agent oh yeah yeah the listing agent's trying to sure. sell the house and so you know of course she's gonna say hey, let's try to make a deal happen with your clients and we never felt that from you you know it was very much here's what she said and and here here's what i think and here's matter of fact and feel free to walk away if you want so we never felt that from you but you know she's just doing her job on the other end so sure yeah yeah that's um and and you both have a lot of sales expertise. <laughs> I mean, you you run a pretty big sales crew over there yeah, at yeah. Yelp. Yeah, no, we and, got a large group. But isn't it interesting that even though that's your expertise, you understand the process still when you're in it as as the person purchasing, and you know that you have two opposing forces. There's there's a struggle there, you know. Are you is it any different than at a blackjack table, right? Do, do you know if that person's bluffing? You're trying to read people, you're trying to make sense of it and, you know, most people have some room that they could go either way. Most people do. Or maybe you're you're pushing at the very highest end of what you can purchase and you are even willing to risk going a little bit beyond that for this right thing, but are you being, you know, are you making a smart move? I, all those, yeah. all those emotions are going. And that me. happened with the first one because that was one where we knew we had to go higher to probably get it. We felt fairly confident, all of us, that like, hey, this is gonna go higher. And that was one that we, uh, yeah, we didn't know how much higher, but also like that kind of stretches your your bank. And so my advice there is have a number and don't go over it regardless, you know, cause I could see where someone could get carried away if they have a number and they're oh, like, you yeah. know what? We really like this one. We're going to stretch the bank on this. And, and you know, we're so glad that didn't happen. Cause in hindsight, we're like, we got a way better deal on, on mm-hmm. this one and um, a way better property and a way, and we, yeah, we feel like a way better property, way better deal. And so it did work out for the better. Yeah, so. that's great. That's great. There's, I could like keep going and go. I feel like we've just gotten to the tip of the iceberg because you also made a purchase that you knew there was a certain amount of work that you were going to need to do with that. And that impacted the bottom line. And so, as I recall, and you guys were diligent and very quick to react of, okay, we got to pull together some information really quickly to be able to proceed with this offer. So you brought in some additional expertise, right? To evaluate the construction of the property. Yeah. I mean, we had a few people take a look at the inspection reports and, you know, it's dry rot, which is probably the the kind of scariest one, right? It's kind of like buying a storage unit at one of those auctions. You just don't know what's in it. It could be a million dollars. It could be, you know, and so like how bad is it really, you know, and, and inspection reports will, will probably be fairly conservative in terms of saying, Hey, it's pretty bad. And so, yeah, we did have to make a quick, we had to make a pretty quick decision on like, what is the price that we value this at? And actually I think heard Erica's dad gave some of the best advice to us going into it as well. He said, uh, go with the price you think it's worth. Like based on, you know, it may not be the price it's listed at. Like you, you know, if you think it's worth that, put an offer in for that because I think so many people are so strung to what the price of the property is at and not really what the price they think it's worth based off of properties around them. Because, you know, who knows, maybe they priced it way higher, but everyone else is going to anchor where they're at. Right. And so we came in there and thought, all right, well, here's what's around the neighborhood. Here's the amount of damage that it says it has. If it has all that, here's like the minimum amount. 
And that's where we kind of set our bar at. And that is where the comps came in handy, like the comps that you provided us in the neighborhood and understanding what that meant for our property also really came in handy, understanding how much we should put as an offer. So, but I also think that piece was stressful too, just because I've never dealt with something like that. Michael's never dealt with something like that, but just kind of taking it one step at a time, which... I'm not very good at, but Michael's very good at just, okay, we're going to get the inspection now. We're going to see what we think the extent of the damage is. And once we know what we think that estimate would be at the top value, that's how much less we will offer on the property itself. So it was very logical the way that we kind of... But you did diligence meeting with people and really putting together some estimates that were real, which I I love that you said... Um, Because I think a lot of people don't really realize this, that oftentimes those inspections come in at fairly high prices because they're third-party subs that they're sending them out to and they're trying to cover themselves and... And um, yeah, they so that people aren't coming back going, but you told me this, right? Yeah. And, yeah. They, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, you have a little bit of wood that might appear to be moisture. You're going to say, hey, this is a high risk of dry rot in this area. And, yep. and it very well could. Yep. Um, it could be totally off. And I think another thing her dad told me was every house is going to have some kind of problem. Yep. You're going to have some places where you might have termites. You're going to have some place where you might have dry. No, no house is going to be perfect. And so that kind of helped a lot because, you know, it's just something we're going to have to deal with. So. Right, right. Now I, I see. And again, you got to compare that to dating. You're not going to find the perfect guy. That's true. Because the, the first house actually <laughs> made us even question too, because they had a little bit of termite, ground termites coming up. And that was stated. And we, we, you know, it's first time home buyers, first offer we put in, I guess second, if you include the Chicago condo, mm-hmm. we were like, whoa, termites. That's a, yeah. uh, that's Bugs. a no, no, right? Scary. Like that sounds like yeah. a, an emergency for the first time home buyer, but someone who's lived in a home for many years will be like, yep, that's, you know, that stuff happens sometimes. So in California, they're in the ground. They're going to yeah. be in your house. At there's some rain. Point. Yeah. There's anything, you know, all the elements are going to yeah. happen. So, yeah, that's funny. I, God, I could just keep talking and talking and talking to you guys. I prob- We should probably wrap this up with a few really, I think, important things that our audience may need to hear from you because you're giving them all kinds of great information, I think, that will really help the buyers that are looking for their first home and they're going through these types of processes to know that they're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> but what would you, if you were to give... A first-time home buyer looking for a home in the Oakland Hills, which is where you were looking and where you ended up making your home. Advice on what are the most important things that you really should look for or should think about with your home purchase? What would it be? Specifically for the Oakland Hills we talking about? No, here, not necessarily. No, no, no. Not necessarily. Yeah. Oh, first time. What's your best advice for a first-time home buyer? Do not watch TV. (laughs) (laughs) I liked what she said at the beginning, like with regards to like fall in love cautiously. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, like, you know, you, you do, I I really do. Cause I think, I think you have to, I think have a limit as well. Like know what your limit is and, and don't be afraid to walk away. I think is, is very key on anything, whether it's your mortgage broker, whether it's your, 
you know, whatever it is, like, you know, a house that you fall in love with. I think those are, those are very, very key. It is an important decision. So I think those are some of the things I think of. Yeah. I mean, I think bring passion into it at a safe distance. If you don't know and are not the expert on something, there are many things when purchasing a home that I definitely was not an expert on and did not feel like I knew ask. I mean, I had the fortune of having Michael who kind of knows some a little bit about real estate, just a little bit. And we had an amazing realtor and I had family and friends who purchased homes. So if you don't know, ask somebody. I mean, that's probably life advice, but still mm-hmm. for a home, it's particularly relevant. And also shift your mindset in terms of how you think about this investment as not just you're buying that and it's going away. It's an investment. It's just a different way that your money is being situated. So those would be my yeah. key three. I think some other, no, one other thing too is make sure, I mean, we did our due diligence on this, but I can imagine some people may just think of it as like, what's my mortgage and what is my monthly payment? Right. But you got to think about homeowner's insurance. You got to think about fire insurance, which is actually the same amount as homeowner's insurance if you're in a fire danger area like the Oakland Hills. You got to think about your property taxes and, you know, California, you don't get to deduct that many in terms of uh, mortgage interest anymore. You have some limitations there right now. So, you know, you got to think about all those expenses as well and, and yeah. really factor those into your, your annual costs. As well. Yeah. If you're not, I mean, Michael is a spreadsheet guru and I live my life in spreadsheets, but he doesn't let me touch his spreadsheets. That's a whole different thing. But <laughs> he, like if you are not that kind of person, ask somebody to help you storyboard it out and and talk everything through what's yeah all of your expenses because that's something that I definitely don't yeah. think enough of. I'm an, in the moment. The yeah. He's a, yeah, for the he, house. Yeah. What's the electricity <laughs> bill for a house that size? What's all the <laughs> you know, home security, you name it. They, they add up to oh, a yeah. lot of expenses. Yeah. And so thinking about that. And yeah, what are your initial expenses going to be? Cause it's going to be high in the beginning. How high can it be? And what can you actually afford? Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm going to just go with that lovely closing statement of fall in love cautiously. <laughs> Erica, Michael, thank you so much for being Thanks on Thanks for having our us. Show. Thank you. It's wonderful. Today's episode has been sponsored by the Kevin Kennedy team with RPM Mortgage. Kevin and his team consistently do deliver top-notch service and personal attention. Kevin meets with all of his clients in person, and he's available seven days a week to answer questions. And really, I, I can testify to this. Kevin, uh, he goes the extra mile to get his clients the best rate and loan terms. Across the board, our clients have been delighted with their loan experience. The communication and the delivery on promise is, is truly A-plus with the Kevin Kennedy team. <laughs> Thanks for listening today, and please check us out on Real 510 on iTunes. To find out even more, visit our website, kimcolerealestate.com. We're a boutique real estate brokerage, women-owned and team-enacted with a focus on urban luxury housing. We are located in Oakland's Jack London Square, serving Oakland and the greater Bay Area. Oh, 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 oh